Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. And today we're going to talk a lot about kind of the recent road wins and also just the playoff race because that's frankly that's that's the thing that needs to be talked about with the Utah Jazz because things have gotten really interesting in the playoff race because we've been looking at the Jazz thinking they're going to jump into the playoff race, they're going to jump into the playoff race. It was kind of the aftermath of that 11-game win streak. The Jazz are now on a six-game win streak, have won 17 of their last 19 games, if I did the math correctly, and now they're tied with three teams for that eight spot. So, Trey, things have gotten really crazy. What have you thought? Uh, honestly, I think that the playoffs have already begun in the West. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, my goodness, you got from four through ten, every single team in the in those ranks are vying for playoff spots. Portland's still in that, but they're surging right now and at a hell of a time to do so. Yeah, they're on like a nine-game win streak. But yeah, like what you said, everything's just so close. Like the Pelicans, who the Jazz just barely beat. They're only a game and a half ahead of the Jazz. And when you're looking at, you know, everybody's looking at all these playoff projections. Everyone comes out with their simulations. You know, 538 is a pretty popular one. Basketball Reference has one. Just all these different places are coming out with their projections. And when you look at the final records, pretty much all of them are either like 48-45 and whatever the math is, like 45 wins, 46 wins, 47 wins. That's basically what it is. And that comes down to one game, one slip, one bad game, one bad matchup, or maybe one injury will do some of these teams in. And it could be the Jazz. Maybe Rudy Gobert goes down, heaven forbid, or Donovan Mitchell – is out for maybe just one game. That's the crazy thing. It doesn't have to be some season-ending injury that just ends the year. It could just be that one game where things just go south. So it's going to be very interesting for the Jazz. Yeah, it's a, it's an up it, it's an uphill climb for a lot of teams, and the Jazz have been climbing uphill throughout the season. And I mean, my hell, you got four, five, and six all tied for the fourth spot, technically. And then eight, nine, ten all tied for eighth spot. San Antonio, they it's looking like they're getting Kawhi back on Thursday, but I kind of feel like that's too little too late. I mean, obviously he's going to change everything for them, but um, the crazy thing is, is that we own tiebreakers with new orleans now we we won that season series um i can't remember what we're looking at with oklahoma city um and the clippers we i think we play them one more time in the year and we are ahead in that season series um are we tied with denver in our season series i can't remember i can't remember i'm looking it up now to see what we're looking at because those those tiebreakers will be huge oh yeah yeah, that, that could end up determining the difference between being an eighth seed and as high as a fifth seed, depending, you know, that's, that's a pretty unlikely situation, but it's a possibility. Um, we have tied the season series. It's 
We've played him four times, all the times we're going to play him, and we have tied. So at that point, I think, I don't know all the, the tiebreakers in what order they are. I don't know if it's like division, which if it if it's that, if it's a division, then we might be in trouble because we have a worse record. Um, after that, probably conference, which we have a, a better record in. But we'll see. Yeah, well, that's also crazy to think about that we the the Mountain West Conference might every team might be in the playoffs in that in that conference. Yeah, the the West like the Northwest Division. Or yeah, Northwest or whatever I call it the Mountain West. It's whatever. It basically is. I was just at the the Mountain West Conference tournament, which was pretty exciting. But um, I think. One thing I did want to talk about, and it's really been it's been brought up a lot recently because the Jazz have won 11 straight road wins, or 11 straight road games. And this is something that the beginning of the season would be unheard of. We started the year 5-19 and on the road. It was like the third worst road record in the league. And, and so if you would have told me back then that we'd win 11 straight games on the road, I would have told you you were crazy. Yeah. It's just suddenly now we've become road warriors, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're a defensive-oriented team, and it's one of those you know sayings is that defense travels, and I very much think that's true because we've done very well defensively in the last since Rudy Gobert has been back. That's basically been the trend is since Rudy Gobert has been back, we have been this defensive wall, and it's helped us win on the road. And the last two games, it's helped us win because our offense hasn't so much been there. Yeah, no, and it's crazy because David Locke put it up. I'm actually looking for it now. Um, he put it on his Twitter, uh, his Twitter page that the Jazz have been the number one defense since I can't remember what the date was, but I mean that's just insane. The fact that. Um, you know, to think about what what this what the situation would have been like for the Jazz if Rudy didn't go out two different times, or if we even got off to a better start at the beginning of the year, it's just it's scary to think that if this team was healthy all year long, if we'd be you know buying for the two or the three seed at this point of the year. Well, if you look at the three three seed, the two seeds, the Warriors, we'd probably end up. But I think, you know, you're looking at maybe a three-game difference. Say Rudy Gobert helps us win three more games, which is very likely if he hadn't have gone out or, you know, different things. Three more wins puts us at 40, which is how many wins Portland has, and they'd have, like, one They'd have one fewer loss. They'd be, like, a half game ahead of us. So that's – that is a very interesting point to bring up, and obviously it's, it's kind of in the past. We kind of have to deal with what we're looking at right now but it kind of gives you a glimpse as to what kind of a team this actually is you know, you look you might think oh this is a team that's 30 you know it's, it's the 10 seed or like tied for the eighth or whatever uh, 37 and 30 but in reality it's more like a team that had it been healthy for the most part throughout the year this is a team that would be looking at home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs and so it's got to have teams like the nuggets and the clippers scared i mean especially the clippers because the nuggets they've actually had a similar argument that they haven't had paul Millsap for pretty much the whole year 
So they're thinking they're kind of in the same boat, but the Jazz have been absolutely cruising as of late. Again, like I said, 17 out of the last 19 wins and 11 straight on the road, and it's probably not going to stop because when you look at Utah's upcoming schedule, it is extremely favorable, and I've got to pull it up really quick because for some reason I don't have it pulled up. But the <laughs> next game the next game they're playing is Detroit, who's lost seven of their last nine. They do have 30 wins on the year, but, again, seven out of the last nine have been losses. They've been crumbling since Blake Griffin got there, which is really mm, interesting. Go figure. Yeah. You thought that you know getting Blake Griffin would have been a huge help for them, but... I mean, tell me what you think of this this upcoming schedule. So Detroit, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Atlanta, and the Mavericks. Was that Oof. five games? I think the I think the toughest game on that's Detroit. Um, Atlanta, we're not going to see a loss to them again. I, I mean, I can't say that confidently, but I know that you know the Jazz are going to remember that that was the game where it spurred that uh, 11-game win streak was after that that loss in Atlanta. Yeah, and those and four of those are home games. Home against Detroit. Home against the Suns. Home against the Kings. Home against the Hawks. There is a realistic possibility that we end up, you know, based on the fact that we've managed to win six straight, uh, four of those being road games, there's a chance that we're going to see the Jazz hit that 11-game win streak again. It's not a guarantee, but honestly, for the Jazz to be making the playoffs, that's almost a necessity because you mentioned it earlier, one slip-up, then that could be it. Lose one of these extremely winnable games. I mean, the Suns have 19 wins, the Kings have 21, the Hawks have 20, the Mavericks have 21. These are teams that are bad. And losing to yeah. one of them... Losing to one of them could be curtains because you look at the three games after, you know, like after the Mavericks game, the end of that easy stretch, you're playing the Spurs, who are probably going to have Kawhi back. They're going to have Kawhi back because they're getting him back Thursday. Um, the Warriors and then the Celtics. That's three, or at least two top-tier playoff teams, and the Spurs team is going to look more like the team they were last year than were the, the, the two-seed, I think. Two or three seed. I can't remember how the standings finished last year. You gotta, you gotta yeah, it's crazy to think that that wasn't that long ago, but it's so hard to keep that in the memory bank. So yeah, it, those upcoming home games, Matt. Those those still fall in the the same realm of a trap game. Um, every single one of those. We uh, we talked about it last week, where you know we're we're reaching a point where the Jazz have to keep winning. Um, you may have a little bit of leeway, maybe one or two losses throughout the remainder of the season. But, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, win every single game at this point. Like, that should be the mentality, especially when you are vying for that eighth spot, seventh spot, sixth spot, whichever. Um, because the teams that we're hoping are supposed that we are rooting to lose, they haven't been doing a really good job of doing that. <laughs> so, yeah, like earlier today, the the Timberwolves, kind of one of those teams that's above us, they beat the Warriors, which didn't help us. And yeah, the, the Nuggets, 
keep doing well. Okay, so they've they've gotten a little healthier. So it is going to come down to the Jazz. They've got 15 games left. Again, that's assuming I've done math correctly. Um, and the thing is, the schedule is pretty favorable, but that can that can lull you into a bit of a false sense of security. Because um, if you're they're going to play four easy games in a row at home, you know, four relatively easy games. And losing one of those games because they decide, well, tonight we're playing the Kings and tomorrow we're playing the Hawks, so whatever. And this is a young right. team. We, we, we've we seen this kind of thing in the past from the Jazz, and we saw it a little bit last year. It was the cause of a, some bad losses last year. It, it's kind of been a theme for the Jazz. Of course, every team does it, so it's not necessarily unique to the Jazz. But... Winning these games in such a tight playoff race is going to be important. And we've beaten a dead horse. But the Jazz are in one of the tightest playoff races I've seen them be involved in for a long time. And unfortunately, the last time I remember one of these happening, they lost. So, I don't know. I'm hoping they don't lose this one. Because we've invested so much and we've decided we're not going to go for the the higher lottery seed and smartly so but well yeah we we got we have money to play with going into the off season so um the the really the biggest thing that sucks is and I know you you've mentioned like you know there's like a an injury that happens is for the jazz we don't have the luxury or Quinn I should say doesn't have the luxury of being able to rest players like uh, you know, your your Rockets or your Warriors can do later on in the year to keep them fresh going into the playoffs. Whereas if we do make the playoffs, we have we have a lot of tired legs going into it if we do. Um, and I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you if if the Jazz do make the playoffs, do you think Quinn Snyder should be a top candidate for uh, Coach of the Year? Should be yes. Will be no. It's just the way it is. I mean, they're gonna give it to oh well. I haven't really looked at it recently. He might get mentioned like kind of. It'll be that hipster writers like oh yeah Quinn Snyder. Uh, but it's gonna go to other guys. I mean, it's usually given to the coach who manages to get his team into a, a really good spot high up like he has to be one of the more winning coaches they got to win like 50 something games um i don't know maybe i should do a quick google search and see what all the the articles are saying because you can usually kind of gauge who's winning based off of those but i haven't seen any talk from any national writers so like, like i said should he absolutely he has done a tremendous job with this team will he that's that's an entirely different question completely yeah the media doesn't give us enough enough love as it is and the people that vote for it they won't yeah it sucks but it, he totally deserves it man i mean mike d'antoni he's he's a kind of like a guy that just stands there i don't really feel like there's any game preparation from him because he's got he has the he has he's fortunate enough to have a roster that's pretty pretty awesome you know and uh steve kerr got his coach of the year because it was his first season in the nba as a coach and he won the championship and had one of the best records ever 
you know, but I don't know. Yeah. Quinn Snyder's put in work after work. Uh, he's put in the work for all of this and he's had all this turmoil happening with his roster and Rodney Hood being a little baby and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the, the adversity that he has faced all year long, I, I really feel like he should be considered highly for coach of the year. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. He's done so much. Like, And you look at this team, who's on this team, and it's amazing. Like, you think of how good the defense is. Okay, you got Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert is one of five players out there. You've also got Ricky Rubio and Joe Ingles and guys who aren't necessarily athletic that are able to stay in front of guys and able to do so much. And then the offense is doing pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. And, like, his offense is being led by a rookie and by Joe Ingles. And, you know, Ricky Rubio, who's historically been, you know, He's able to been able to get like points and assists, but it's not necessarily been the catalyst of a really good offense, but he's managing to do well in Utah. I mean, he just barely scored 30 points against the Pelicans. Now, he actually recorded, like, I think it was his second straight double-double. Uh, or at least his second recently. I can't remember what he had the last game. But Isn't it ironic that we, we said that, you know, every two weeks he starts to score like a crazy man and here we are two weeks after he returned to the lineup and he's doing crazy man numbers it's it's that it's a two-week rotation we just got to get that two-week rotation lined right up to when we get into that assuming we make the playoffs into our first round that way we can sweep one of the top seeds in four games his ricky rubio averages 28 points a game yeah yeah and, no, I mean, yeah. when he's going, the, we've mentioned it before, the Jazz win when he's going. Um, and even going forward, man, this team is this team is in a good spot because even if even if we do get a loss or, you know, something crazy happens, it, this team is just really at a nice level um, with their confidence, with the way they're executing on defense. I mean, uh, the Pacers game, they completely shut down their offense in general. It wasn't just Victor Oladipo. Like, they couldn't get anything. Um, the Grizzlies game was, you know, it was defense meets defense. That was an ugly game. Um, and then what we did to... Um, <laughs> who did we play last game? Not tonight. Uh, Grizzlies? I can't even remember. Was it the Grizzlies? At Grizzlies, our last game, then we played the Pelicans. Oh, Okay. Yeah, it's just the defense is always going to be there. And you could tell that these guys are priding themselves on that. It might not be pretty basketball, but, man, are they just making it tough for everybody they play against. Yeah, it is nice that they've they've managed to shut down everyone. I mean, even, you know, Anthony Davis tonight was making things crazy for him. And Mark Gasol the other night against the Grizzlies, like they are getting bunches and bunches of blocks and they were having trouble scoring really from everywhere, but the Jazz have just been able to do well in in the last five games. They have not allowed an opponent to score more than 100 points. And this is a league where every team pretty much averages over 100 points per game. And the Jazz haven't allowed a team to do that since the Timberwolves. And they had 108. But, I mean, you look at 
No more math. Like seven out of the last eight games, like eight out of the last nine, just trying to do a quick eyeball count. The Jazz have allowed fewer than a hundred points, and a lot and three of those have been less have been four have been ninety points or less. So it's Yeah, that's crazy. It is absolutely insane. Granted, some of those are bad teams, but the Pacers were one of them. With all-star Victor Oladipo, they held him to 84 points. So, it's it's insane that the defense is able to do so much. The offense hasn't done as much recently. Because you mentioned holding teams under 100 points. The Jazz, in like those seven or eight games, have only scored 100 points three times. So it's a little shaky, but they're doing well. They're, they're doing enough to win, I should say. Not they're doing well, they're doing enough to win, even in some of these ugly games, like against the Grizzlies. The game against the Kings was kind of messy, and then the Pelicans game was messy for a good chunk of the game, and then it, everything kind of uh, got rolling towards the end of the game. Yeah, well, it's it's... I'm not saying it's easier to win a game when you hold people to that much, but it is it's it's more attainable of a win if you hold people to that low of a score because then all you need to do is just score a little bit more than they do. <laughs> Sounds yeah. silly, but I don't know. I mean what game was it? Was it I'm trying to remember if it was the Memphis game or yeah, it was a Memphis game. We hold we held them to thirty seven percent from the field. That is ridiculous. Memphis is bad, don't get me wrong, but you hold any team to thirty seven percent because it's the NBA, that is just stupid. That's unreal. And we held uh the Pacers to thirty eight percent the game before that. Yeah, they're a playoff team. They're a playoff team in the East. Granted, it's the East, but they're a playoff team. One of the better teams in the NBA held them to 84 points and just is crazy. But, yeah, I mean, Pelicans got 44 tonight, but even still, they were 6 for 21 from, from the three-point line, so 28% on that. And I crazy stat was that we were we only missed one free throw today. Yeah, so that's just that's just another way the Jazz are managing to win. Tonight they got to the free throw line. You know, Rudy Gobert had nine free throws on his own. Yeah. Um, and what a turnaround that second half was, man. They they were really getting like the Pelicans were getting the best of the Jazz on defense. They were not making any shots. Donovan Mitchell was 0 for eight entering the third quarter and Thank God he woke up and put up 15 points in the, in the second half to help push the lead. Because if it, if it wasn't for Donovan Mitchell, man, it, that game would have been a Pelicans win. Because Ricky was trying to do everything he could, and until Davis went out, he was getting the best of Rudy. Yeah, because Anthony Davis, he had 10 blocks, and the Pacers, or the Pelicans as a whole, had 14 blocks. They were blocking <laughs> Everything. It was part of the reason the Jazz you mentioned the Pelicans shoot forty four percent. Jazz actually shot worse at a forty one percent. And again, 
probably the biggest reason the Jazz won, shooting those low percentages was one, well, I guess two. They shot better from three, and they also had 12 more free throws and made pretty much all 12 of those. Yeah, it's the it's the little things. It's, it's ugly basketball, <laughs> but a win's a win. <laughs> yeah. I will say one thing that I've been less okay with and something that I feel really needs fixed. We mentioned being tired in the playoffs and resting players, and a big reason why the Jazz really can't afford to rest players is because they can't fill in with the guys they have on the bench. And the game against the Pelicans is perhaps the biggest indicator of just how bad the Jazz bench is right now because they totaled for 14 points. 14 of the 116 points that we scored tonight were from the bench. So less than 10% or I don't know, I didn't, I'm not doing quick math here. But also you look at the shooting percentages, they were, let's see, give me like five seconds and I'll do some math. See, Crowder was 1 for 11, Jarebko was 0 for 1, that's 1 for 12. Royce O'Neal was 1 for 7, so you're looking at 2 for 19. Ipe Udo was 0 for 3, so that's what, 1 of 22, or 2 for 22. And then Raul Neto was 3 for 3. So outside of Raul Neto, who's, who made all three of his baskets, but played only five minutes, the Jazz bench shot 2 of 22. And thanks to the power of calculators, you can know that that is 9%. 9, well, I'll say 9.1, we'll give him 0. 0.1. 9.1% from the What a field. generous roundup. <laughs> yes, such generous. That makes everything better. 9.1% shooting. That is so awful. I can go out there and do hook shot three-pointers from NBA range and shoot about the same percentage. And these are NBA players. Some of those were probably little easier shots, maybe open jump shots. Maybe some of them were harder. But these are grown NBA players going two for 22 in the bench. And not all the games have been like this. But consistently I'm looking down at the bench and thinking, you know, outside of Jay Crowder, well, Drebko, he had like seven points, made a few shots. He's been actually pretty good. Royce O'Neal, we praised him. Earlier this year, as really it was during that 11-game win streak, on mm. how he was doing so well, and as a rookie, it was crazy. He was having like this breakout period. He's not done so well lately. And tonight, he was one for seven. There was one play, he tried to go in on uh, Anthony Davis and got rejected hard on a dunk. So, yeah, yeah, watch that one, that one. I was like, yeah, you think you were trying to go for a little too much there, big guy. Yeah, and it's just those little things, you know. I think Royce can bounce back, but again, right now the Jazz are just getting nothing from their bench. Yeah, looking at the last, what happens, the last five games, six games, excluding the the, uh, Pelicans one because basketball reference hasn't updated yet. Royce O'Neal is shooting 35% from the field, 12% from three, and is averaging just under three points a game on 1.3 turnovers. Ugh. 
And he's not the only one. Like, Jay Crowder, he's still struggling from the field. I'm still pretty good with Jay Crowder because here's the amazing thing about him. He was 1 for 11, had 5 points. He was plus 22 on the day. So Yeah, that's his, crazy. His defense is, his impact has clearly felt more on the defensive side, and he's actually been, you know, I saw um, some people posting on Twitter about how, I think it was SLC Dunk, they were posting, or maybe it was some other people, it might have been David Locke or somebody, it's been shared around how the best lineup in the NBA over the last, uh, I can't remember how long it is, last handful of games, might even have been post-All-Star break, has been the lineup of, Ricky, Donovan, Rudy, Joe Ingles, and Jay Crowder. Having Jay Crowder at the four. And Jay Crowder played 32 minutes tonight. Derek Favors got a bunch of fouls, and so he only played 19 minutes tonight. But, I mean, again, outside of Jay Crowder, this bench is not doing well. And so, I mean, Trey, what do you, what do you think is going to need to happen for this this bench to, for lack of a better word, not suck? <laughs> oh man, uh, I it's just about discipline at this point. Um, I think that the, the, I think the biggest problem is that I'm seeing with the bench is that they're getting a little too overzealous. Um, they want to make the big plays rather than the right plays, um, and I think that's just a little bit of them just kind of calming down, stepping back a little bit, and you know, getting everything within inside the flow of the offense. Because tonight, man, I. I the the shots going up speak for themselves man it was just it was just jack it up jack it up jack it up um you know obviously when you when you're a basketball player you're you're taught just keep shooting which is obviously what they were doing but um the nice the comforting thing is is that they're still out there competing they're playing defense i mean Royce O'Neal is still out there getting rebounds he's he got two steals tonight um, same thing with Jay Crowder. Um, I would like to see, I would like to see Quinn kind of mix it up a little bit with the bench players, insert some of the bench players in with the starters a little bit more, see how they mesh with them a little bit, see if they can get them into a rhythm so that when they bring the, re- when he brings the rest of the bench off of, off the, uh, or sorry, brings the rest of the bench onto the court that they have a little bit more rhythm going in. Um, and they can feed off of the guys that were inserted with the starters. But then again, I mean, they're NBA players, and we're at this point of the season where you got to start making the best plays. Royce O'Neal is a... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Royce O'Neal. I can't say it's necessarily a rookie wall because his energy has always been there, and it's never going to go anywhere. Um, And Neto, I've, I've seen him make a little kind of boneheaded plays these days, but the real, the real interesting thing that I'm kind of um, chomping at the bit to see is what happens um, when Exum comes back and when does he come back? And that when he comes back could be any day. Now we could get an announcement from the jazz tomorrow saying Dante Exum is going to be in the next game. I, I forget when the next game actually is. No, it's against the, Pistons, I can't remember. It's, uh, Is that Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday, just looked it up. Tuesday, March 13th. So, that is a really interesting thing with Dante Exum because, you know, really, 
you look at the offensive options because that's the biggest thing we're looking at with the bench is offensive options because defensively they all still do pretty good like Royce O'Neal again 16 minutes went one of seven with three points he was plus two so a net positive uh, Jay Crowder already mentioned he was plus 22 um, but some of the other guys uh, Jarebko minus nine in 11 minutes uh, Ipe Udo minus four in five minutes Raul Neto Again, he was the guy who scored the most points on the bench, but was minus seven in five minutes. So in five minutes, he was part of a crew that went negative seven on the plus minus. Whereas all the starters, they did just fine. Um, partly, it was a game that we won by 17 points, but again, I think O'Neal and Crowder are playing good defense. Drebko's a bit of a defensive liability. But he should be making up for it with offense. He should be one of those players that, yeah, you don't like his defense, but maybe pair him next to Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert, and you can get a nice you know, stretch four out of him. Because he was the starting power forward for a good chunk of that early 11-game, I know it was like a six-game win streak we had a while back that we got really excited about in December. He mm -hmm. was the starting power forward for pretty much all of it. So we know that he can be effective. But, again, back to Dante Exum, I think it would be really nice to have him. He, he'll probably come in as the backup point guard. And the thing is, I know so many Jazz fans love Raul Neto, but whenever I see him out on the court, I'm counting the seconds, not the minutes, the seconds, until uh, Ricky Rubio comes back in. I'm <laughs> just waiting until, all right, Ricky, you got enough rest now? You got enough rest? Send somebody in. Because Raul Neto has been very ineffective. And tonight, Raul Neto was a kind of a shot in the arm with a couple of big plays. But he was still, again, there were minus seven he was in. So it's not like he was which making is, such Which a is crazy because he's usually in the positives. Yeah, he's usually been known for you know, that, that scrappiness. And kind of all the things that we love about jazz guys, he does all those little things. Mm -hmm. But in the end, when I see him out in the court, it's just like, okay, he's great and all. But I, he's not impacting enough on offense. And I'm sure his defense is overall fine tonight. Again, the minus seven is really just an anomaly, I think. But having Dante Exum out there, we know he's good on defense. And his offense is coming along. And we know that he can get into attack mode. And he's got good court vision and can kind of lead the offense from the point guard position in a backup role. And so I think having him back would be a real boost to the defense where... Well, Jay Crowder is jacking up 12 shots a game, 13 shots a game right now. And he's not very effective shooting on offense. He's had a few good games shooting. Like, he had 22 points the other night. It was his first time in over a year, or nearly a year actually, where he was the points leader in a game for um, overall in the game. And that's what happens if he makes all of his shots, but most of the time he's not making his shots because he's not a great offensive player. And the Jazz are asking him to take a lot of shots that he's not used to taking and that he can't make on a consistent basis. At least not until he practices them a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's something that comes in time because the, the majority of his game is being a part of the offense, making sure the offense is executing and he's, you know, 
giving uh, giving off passes or he's playing defense. He's he is a defensive nightmare in a lot of respects because he's just huge. He's a big dude. He's got length. You bring Dante Exum into that, yeah, sure, he's not going to be 100%, but Dante Exum's tall and long. So even if Dante's not putting shots in, he's still contributing to that defensive prowess. And I think maybe that's just going to end up being the mentality of the Jazz bench because it's not going to be filled with offensive powerhouses. I mean, the best offensive player on the bench is, well, I don't think I should say this. Well, maybe it's just a testament to how bad the the defense is. The best offensive player on the bench is probably Alec Burks. And I'm probably only saying that because Alec Burks has been good in the past. This year, not so much. But, I mean, who else that came off the bench today is better on offense than Alec Burks? Probably nobody. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, your top two options are going to be Jay Crowder and Royce O'Neal. And neither of those guys are super good on offense. They're mostly good for their defense. And Dante yeah. Exum is not going to be that way either. But I do think I, I agree that if you have Dante Exum, Royce O'Neal, and Jay Crowder out there playing defense as like the primary bench unit, and maybe you've got Derek Favors out there being the he kind of switches back from the starting power forward to the backup center. That's a crazy defensive unit, and then maybe it'll just hold its own until the starters get back in, and they can play a lot more offense. Because today you had three players score 20-plus points for the Jazz, which is becoming more common. It's a weird thing to see three Jazz players score 20 points. It used to be something worth celebrating. And now it's like, yeah, that... Yeah, it's almost sense. become commonplace. We almost had four. Yeah, I don't know. Because there's only so much you could do with your starters. I mean, you can't – you can only ask so much of your starters. If they start playing way too many minutes, they're just going to become more and more useless. You know, like you got to have – you got to have that security blanket coming off of the bench, whether it's one or two of the players or three, preferably. But – um the problem is is that they're human. Everyone has a funk. Hopefully this is just one of those kind of funks for them where they just they just need to kind of shoot their way out of this and hope for the best. But then again, that's not what we as fans hope for. Yeah, and you mentioned needing to kind of rest players a little bit and have that security blanket or whatnot. Joe Ingles tonight played 36. Rudy Gobert played 40 minutes. Rubio played 35. And Mitchell played 41. That's a lot of minutes from your starters. Yeah, that's a ton of minutes. So that's something that – that's a playoff rotation. I mean, on the bench you had two guys play more than 11 minutes. One of them played 16. And Crowder only played that many because Derek Favors, again, he only played 19 minutes. Because he got in foul trouble. And because Jay Crowder was plus 22. So there's no reason to change the lineup a whole lot. But just. I do think it's going to be so important for these bench guys to. To ramp up their offense. Because we can talk about that, how important their defense is. And how that can you know, carry them. But that's only going to carry them for games. It's not going to carry them for long stretches of games. 
And it's not right. going to carry them in the playoffs because as much as you tighten up rotations, you're still playing eight, nine guys. You need to be able to go eight or nine deep and at least expect offense from at least, let's just say, two of those. So Totally. The bench will need to improve dramatically. And again, tonight was just like rock bottom for the bench. It's not going to be this bad every night. But again, right. just going back over some of the games, I mean, I, I could probably go back to the, let's see, looking at the Grizzlies game. Let's see. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, scored 95 points, and outside of Jay Crowder, who had 22 points, you had Drebko with four, O'Neal with six, Neto with four. So, and of those guys, they pretty much all shot around 30%. Yeah, the, 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 it's just a little bit more consistency is all you really hope for. Yeah, and we don't need... Jay Crowder scored 22 points off the bench. We don't need Royce O'Neal scoring like the 18 points off the bench. It's more like the, this guy has eight, this guy has six, that guy, maybe he had 10 tonight. Whatnot. A little cushion, yeah. Yeah, it's just those little things that when you, the bench guy, they play 17 minutes a game, maybe score six or eight points. So that when the starters right. come back in who are scoring the 20 points a game or the 18 points a game, they're the ones carrying it, but they actually can rest easy knowing that you know, we built the lead and now it's like they don't come back in and suddenly they're down by eight because the bench couldn't handle it. So. Anyhow, all that. <laughs> don't sound so exhausted. I am exhausted. I am too. I'm hitting, I'm hitting a wall. <laughs> yeah, I... I had a major. Well, like I said, I was I was in I was at the Mountain West tournament, so I was covering it for the the student newspaper, and I just and I'm also following the Jazz close. I think they played like three times while I was down there, at least two times, maybe three. Mm. And so I got the Jazz. Then there's Utah State, who I'm trying to follow their basketball, and things are getting hectic there. So basketball is just crazy right now. I love this time of year. <laughs> It is the best time. March is awesome because the playoffs are getting heated. Then there's college basketball, which I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are also college basketball fans. It, yeah, and this is like the only time of the year that I actually pay attention to college basketball because me and college sports, man, that's just there's there's just too many teams to follow. So when the tournament comes around, it's just like, oh, the familiar faces. All right, let's root for those guys. Yeah, I, I tried to follow him a little bit during the regular season. Then I got blasted with Trey Young, and that was all they would talk about. So, Oh, the I, Oklahoma kid? Yeah, and they made the tournament, so maybe he'll come to the Jazz. Please not. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's not going to fall far enough anyway, because we're going to be, you know, who knows. I don't – once it gets into the playoffs, I don't fully understand the – where all the seedings fall for the for the draft. It gets so much more complicated. For sure. And, well, he could end up being one of those really great college players, but just his game won't translate to the NBA, and he could just suck. See, I never like those kind of draft picks. 
because I'd always take a guy who, you look at Rudy Gobert, has all the tools, just needs to develop. And there's plenty of those guys in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard's one of them. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert. Go down the list of so many of the great players who were drafted kind of later in the draft. They had the physical tools. And they're, I guess, people just underestimated how good they really were. Donovan Mitchell's kind of the same way. Yeah, just kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily slipped under the cracks, but... Man, I I know a lot of people on uh, broadcasts have said, oh, oh, he's kind of slipped under the cracks. We're kind of kicking ourselves for not taking him. It's like, well, yeah, but even though you're scouting a player, do you really know what you're getting? Yeah, usually you don't, but, I mean, you can see all those things. And, I mean, <clears throat> like I said, I'd rather take a player who has all the tools and maybe lacks some of the finer polish. Right, Cause, teachable. Because the ceiling of those other guys, you know, for as great as Joe Ingles is, he's not going to be the best player on a team ever. Same thing with you know, guys like Kyle Anderson, Denzel Valentine the same way. You just go down a list of players, there's, there's those guys in every draft, like you said. They have the NBA game, but they lack the NBA body and so many of the things you need. They'll be nice role players, but I'm not going to draft one at 10th in the draft. Right. Well, look at, uh, what's his name? Is it Mark Markel Fultz? Yeah. Like, he was number one pick for Philadelphia, and he hasn't even played a damn game. And then you see videos of him trying to shoot, and it's like, wait, when did you, when did you suck at shooting? Weren't you pretty good in college? That was his what thing. a he... joke that pick, that pick was, man. And he was the full package. That was what he was advertised as. He's the full yeah. package on offense. Now he's the full package of whatever. I don't know. He's a bust. A wasted effort. <laughs> Basically. But anyway, that that's going to do it here for us. We've talked probably everybody's ears off. And we're, we're only going to talk more because things are only going to get more crazy from here. They're either going to get crazy better or they're going to get crazy disastrous real quick because the Jazz lose a couple of these next few games you know, between our uh, now and the next podcast. I mean, they're, oh, how many games will they play? I think we got three. Yes. Three. Hopefully we're talking about a nine-game win streak come next time. If not, there might be another rant akin to what we just did to the Jazz bench. Yeah. Only about, they... only about how the Jazz somehow managed to lose to the Phoenix Suns. Oh my gosh. Need a walk. Oh yeah, don't don't don't, don't lose that. to the Phoenix Suns the last the last time of the season. <laughs> please don't do that. Just just please, Donovan, put up fifty this time. That'd be. Can't, can't tell you how awesome that'd be if Donovan Mitchell scored fifty points in a game. Oh yeah, it would just be just be added to the long list of achievements of his rookie season. Yeah, it's getting longer. Maybe we'll talk in depth about him next week. Maybe not. We'll see. We'll plan some out for you. But anyway, thanks again for watching. Once again, my name is Jason Walker, joined by Trey Sanders, and we will talk to you next week. Oh, 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 oh,